Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bounds. The nominations are in. We have our list and the 94th Academy Awards are just weeks away. Oscars season is upon us. And now that the fiasco of this year's Golden Globes is over, we can finally turn our attention to an awards ceremony that still has its integrity intact. For now. So who's made it onto the list? Well, it seems that coming out of the pandemic into a new normal, the cinema has been bursting with big blockbusters. Clearly, the Academy was spoilt for choice. The best picture category alone seems barely whittled down. Ten titles have been nominated. With one person becoming the first woman to be nominated twice for Best Director, and I know she's a favourite in this studio, a good year for British talent and streaming giants cementing their impact on Hollywood, Netflix led the way with a whopping 27 nominations. Are we heading in a new direction, or is the Oscars coming back to regular programming? Well, here to unpack this year's nominations, the surprises and the snubs, the expected entries and the underdogs are the film critics and host of Girls on Film podcast, Anna Smith, and Monocle's very own professional film enthusiast, that was uppercase, Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Welcome both to the programme. That was me in the script, Rob. You wrote that in the script. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely to have you both in here. And Anna, welcome. It's a grand return from you. You got out the golden carriage. Yes, I did. It's been a while since you've been here in person. I was expecting a red carpet, but it's okay. We can overlook that. I mean, we didn't want to be too on theme. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) I know. It's so lovely to be back in the studio. Real pleasure. Well, it's lovely to have you here. And, well, Anna, I'll start with you. Are you feeling excited about a sort of more back to normal Oscars this year and the general feel and vibe of the nominations? Definitely. As you said, there's been a tremendous amount of big films the past year. So there's a lot to celebrate. I'm personally excited about a lot of the films and I'm looking forward to a ceremony that maybe isn't quite as long-winded as it used to be, but it's still hopefully got some glamour and excitement about it. I'm expecting the glamour quotient to be appealing to you, Faye. you sort of fan of all those big ceremonies. Very much so. And, and even though there were some good things about last year's ceremony, I think it was not the most glamorous one. I think it was quite pared down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this year is going to be the same. And in fact, we will have a host. I think that's extremely important in the ceremony. Yeah. It lacks something when there's not a host. I think that's my view. And I think the Academy might agree with me. Let's get into the categories. We're going to start with Best Actress. And Anna, I'll start with you. Who's the most sort of fancied of this? We've got Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Who are you thinking? Who are you liking the most? Whose performance did you dig the most, Anna? I think the one I dig the most is the one I think is probably going to win, and that's Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's debut. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was absolutely extraordinary in this, and, you know, the voters seem to agree with me. I just think she is such a versatile, funny, down-to-earth actress. And The Lost Daughter, actually, she does something we haven't really seen before. I think it's it's more of a dramatic performance, but there's a darkly comic edge, and I think it's a very raw, very brave performance in quite an edgy film in a way. But also, you know, Olivia Coleman, the Oscars love her. The BAFTAs seem to have gone off her, but the Oscar <laughs> voters seem to absolutely love her after the favourite. And yeah. I think she's still huge in America. I think they feel like they've discovered her still, you know, even though we discovered her a long time I ago. I feel very proud, actually, <laughs> whenever I see her in massive films and at the ceremony somehow, which is... I mean that in a good way, do you know what I mean? You feel like she's, she's, she's from British TV. Definitely. <laughs> you know, she's, she's fast becoming the new Meryl Streep, really. I mean, yeah. she, she is the go-to actress, top actress of her generation for that age group, I would say, at the moment. And that's probably why some other actors sort of bemoan that a little bit and go, oh, Olivia Coleman again. But she is the go-to, and I think she will probably win. But I think the one that I like 
next is Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Mm -hmm. I thought she was tremendous in this. I thought she was such a fantastic Lady Diana and I really wasn't expecting her to be. They know everything. They don't. Mummy, what happened to make you so sad? Well, here, in this house, there is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. Diana, they can't change. You have to change. You know, this is an American actress, really difficult role to play. The whole film hinges on her performance, but I thought she was fantastic. And again, that's the kind of performance. It's British royalty. You know, the Academy Americans might like, like that. that. Yeah. 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 You were nodding along to Anna's choice of Kristen Stewart. What? Why, 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 why can't I say that? <laughs> it, it is a hard name. Chris, Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Stewart yeah. I, I was very positively surprised when I saw Spencer because I think she did a terrific job. I mean, and the film surprised me as well. I know for some reason it's being divisive I mean not nominated for the BAFTAs but I like that there were elements of surrealism of horror even mm-hmm. to the film it's very different from your typical royal film this So Pablo Larraine yeah Pablo Larraine uh, yeah. which, which I spoke to him last year I mean he's a fantastic director and it's good to see perhaps the, how a Chilean director would perceive the royal family and the touches of horror I think was quite interesting and but perhaps too divisive here for sounds like a documentary the, exactly <laughs> I mean and, and you know what if I can mention another one I think Penelope Cruz with Parallel Mothers I mean another beautiful role even though I still think Kristen should win this one I think I'm very happy that Penelope was nominated okay and we mentioned the other two there Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye I know that was sort of on your list, Anna, as well as a good performance and a really interesting role, I suppose, for Jessica Chastain. Yeah, playing a televangelist, a really yeah. extreme outlandish yeah. character. And this is another thing that the Academy favour is a real life character and some kind of physical transformation. And she, she looks incredible. She looks so much like Tammy Faye in this film, thanks to, you know, hair and makeup, etc. But also her performance is quite transformative. So I think it's a really, in another year, she could have been the front runner. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she is, but it still is a very, very worthwhile performance definitely worth checking out perfect so a quick fire prediction from each of you Anna Olivia Colman I go with my heart Kristen Stewart okay nice one we're going to now come to best lead actor Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos Benedict Cumberbatch The Power of the Dog Andrew Garfield Tick Tick Boom Will Smith for King Richard and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth Fernando I'm going to come to you first for this who's delivered the finest um, performance from an actor this year. Well, think? first of all, I have to admit, I think the best actress this year is a little bit stronger in a way, but there's been amazing roles. I think Benedict Cumberbatch, I mean, I can't say anything bad about his role at The Power of the Dog, and it's quite different from the roles he did as well in the past, yeah. kind of this British posh man, and now he's playing kind of a rancher in Montana. That was quite interesting. I think potentially he could win, but also Will Smith from King Richard. This next step, you've got to take you're not going to just be representing you. You're going to be representing every little black girl on earth. They're not going to let you doubt. How could you? This world ain't never had no respect for Richard Williams, but they're going to respect y'all. You walk out there with your head up. You are a champion, and the whole world know it. I was not expecting much of the film, but... He was quite a good role. And I think someone, I don't want to quote, quote it wrong here, but somebody said it's the first role that Will Smith kind of is not sexy. And I think he did it very well. Because, you know, he's kind of this <laughs> handsome man. But in the film, he really incorporated the ticks of, of the father of Venus and Serena Williams. He yeah. did a very good job. 
Yeah, and a kind of a specific but big story as well, right? Yeah, King Richard's story as well. Anna, who's delivered the finest performance before we come to Who's Your Money On, I suppose? Well, I'm going to actually completely agree with Fernando here because I think Benedict Cumberbatch is the front runner for this, okay. and I think deservedly because it's a very different role for him. He's absolutely fantastic in it. It's the most nominated film. It's probably going to score on many, many categories, and I think this is probably a surefire thing, personally. But then Will Smith I did really enjoy as well. And again, you know, it's different. As Fernando says, it's something that we haven't seen him do before. Um, he plays a very ambitious character. That's something that, that you know, the voters often find very interesting. And, yeah, so, I mean, I think it is between those two, but I think it's going to be Benedict. And, and if I may say, I had a little problem with being the Ricardos. I don't know, what, what do you think about it? Because clearly the Academy enjoyed it because Nicole Kidman is also nominated, but that's kind of the one that I really wouldn't put my money on. Okay. Oops. I'm surprised to see it in here as much as it is. I thought it was a perfectly enjoyable, entertaining film, but it feels like it's probably been over-nominated, possibly because of the prestige factor of the cast. I think both Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem have been better in other films, not because they're bad in this, just that it's, it doesn't really give them a great chance to show huge range it's fairly light so i think that's going to be the bridesmaid of this oscar season i don't think it's going to walk away with anything yeah right it's hiding in plain sight being the ricardos i think i know you're going to say benedict cumberbatch correct Faye. will smith okay oops sorry it's been very last minute decisions but yeah i'll go for will smith i think we should there'll be a betting element to this show (laughs) so the best director i mean what i'm feeling as we go through these this list of nominations as well is how you can separate the film from the the cast and all the rest of it as well because there are things that you know you can it can be the best picture but then no one none of the actors best supporting or actress or either win anything i guess best director is, is a slightly separate thing Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion, The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg, no less, The West Side Story. It's in a pretty, it's a pretty decent list. And who sort of looked most comfortable and uh, empowered in the director's chair this year, do you think? Well, it's, it's interesting when you say that, you know, that, that it's often there's a disconnect between the director and the mm. film. And I think historically that's why we've seen a predominance of what people think a director looks like, which is a white man. And, and of course, you've got three of those very heavyweight, Steven Spielberg, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, Kenneth Branagh here. But I think the two winners for me are the other two candidates, and that's Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog and Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. I think Drive My Car, the Japanese film, is really a film to watch, actually, mm. uh, which you may come to more later. But I think the fact that that's come up in Best Picture is really interesting, so I wouldn't rule him out for director. But I, of course, as the host of Feminist Film Podcast, would love to see Jane Campion, the only the first woman to be nominated twice in this category. I would love to see her win. And also The Power of Dog is an incredibly directed film. Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. It's just a man, Peter. Only another man. <laughs> a man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? not save her. Jane Campion's just a genius, right? Fernando? I think my money's on, on Campion on this one. I mean, because the power of the dog, I think perhaps even more than Best Picture, 
I mean, it's a visually stunning film as well. I think she did an amazing job. You could see her directing this film, so definitely her. I can't really see either Spielberg or Kenneth winning Best Director. I think even Belfast could even win Best Picture. I, I don't know, but I, yeah. I think Campion definitely deserves that. I wouldn't be sad as well if Hamaguchi wins with Drive My Car, but I think that's a little bit difficult. I want to ask you, Anna... I think absolutely right, all of the above as well. I want to ask you, it's a funny one. I mean, as we know, judging films like this is a strange sort of occupation, but a fun one. But for Best Director, what on earth are the jury looking for? Is it the control of the story? Is it the directing of the cast? I mean, it's all so subjective, Hannah, but with this one, you feel there is perhaps a little bit more objectivity available to the jurors. It is a really good question because I feel like some of the voters are doing a kind of knee-jerk reaction. Well, of course, Steven Spielberg must be nominated. But, Mm. you know, in his case, you know, West Side Story is a film with great scope. Um, It's epic, it's huge budget. There's a control over a huge cast, lots of choreography. Um, But in Jane Campion's case, it's more a question of, you know, from the second that you start watching this film, you're in completely safe hands and she's got control of the narrative and control of your attention and your mind. And that's something I look for, is when I'm never at all worried about what this film is going to do with me, where it's going to take me. I just go with it. And I think that's amazing direction, personally. Yeah. Yeah, we're very much in Jane Campion's or the, the world, her world in this film, aren't we? Inescapably so. Who do we think, then? Well, who's your money on, Fernando? Campion. Campion. OK. Campion, it is. Campion the Wonder Horse. <laughs> Best picture. Shall I go through them? Please. Okay. So for Best Picture, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza. Come on, Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog and West Side Story. Fernando, what is the best film of the year? And who are the jurors of the Oscars going to pick? That's a, that's a, first of all, I have to say it's, it's a good and, and safe list. And I think the it's difference... It's a big old list. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I think this is the first year where there will be 10 nominations every single year for Best Pictures. Before, there was a complicated rule. It could be eight, it could be nine, it could be even 10. Okay. But I think now it's going to be 10 from this year on. I like the mix, though. You have some populist films, in a way, which, for example, Don't Look Up, which I did not like it, but I Mm. can't lie that it was a big hit Mm -hmm. everywhere. You have Dune as well, the sci-fi epic. You have kind of a few good story of King Richard. A really interesting mix, but I do think it's the year of the power of the dog. I mean, I would be very surprised if there would be any other film that could win. I've been reading a lot about Belfast, which, again... I went to the cinema to see Belfast. I, it's, it's definitely not my favourite, but people left the cinema very satisfied. I could mm-hmm. see people crying. Clearly touched a nerve. Not my nerve, but it clearly <laughs> touched many people. So I don't know. It could be the kind of the one that might steal the crowd from The Power of the Dog, but I still I would go with Power of the, Power of the Dog. Okay, Anna. Well, I won't second guess you. What is the best film of the year? I think you can. The Power (laughs) of the Dog. Surprise. Getting a bit repetitive here. But yes, I think it is the best film of the year, personally. Although there's some other films I'd have liked to see in that list, but it is a strong list. The Power of the Dog, I think, should take it. But the best film category in the Oscars can be a little bit hard to predict because of the way that the structure of the voting works and quite often it's not everyone's top choice that gets through it's everyone's second choice so you might be looking for the film that everyone quite likes rather than the film that has gets the most votes so with that in mind I would not rule out West Side Story Mm -hmm. and Licorice Pizza Yes (laughs) Yes (laughs) You clearly love I've seen seen it three times now It's, (laughs) it's getting ridiculous Yeah And Coda 
Yes. Coda is a feel-good I wanted to film. ask you about this. Yes. Now, I... Yeah, so tell us about this. Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adults, and it stars Amelia Jones, who is daughter of Ali Jones, as a hearing child who has deaf parents and brother. And it's a feel-good, you know, musical drama, comedy drama, really, but what is significant about it is that it casts deaf actors in deaf roles, one of whom has been nominated for Supporting mm-hmm. Actor at the Oscars. And I think that's a really important mix there, the fact that it's a film that puts a smile on everyone face it'll make you cry it'll make you laugh it's got lovely performances and also it does something significantly progressive Mm -hmm. um, which shouldn't be progressive but unfortunately so many people have won oscars for playing people with disabilities when they don't have disabilities and that's become quite controversial and i think it's really interesting to see coda leading the way now in terms of that kind of casting so i think we'll see it get something but it's, it's an outside of the best picture but i like the idea of it You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. I think it's such a wonderful film. And again, it's heartwarming. I mean, it's not the most challenging film, but I was so satisfied after seeing it. You know, I've cried. I felt the emotions. And, and I think, as Anna said, you know, I, I didn't know. I actually, only for some reason, I only thought that the dad was deaf and the other actors were not. But then I looked into it. The whole family were playing this deaf family. They were deaf. And I think it made it a difference. It it was such a beautiful and optimistic, in a way, film as well. That's really interesting. And on the idea of the sort of moral sort of equivalence of some of the nominations and the progressive nature of them, is that, do you feel like it's something like Coda... It's good that it's in the list at all. I mean, not not on, simply on the quality of it, but on, on you know people like to put the difference into a different category somehow. So it's in the biggest category, which means it's on equal footing for all of the other things as it kind of should be and be understood to be. I suppose definitely. Um, it hasn't been ghettoized, and I think yeah. you know there ghettoized was, yeah. is the word. I'm scrabbling around in the mud for. <laughs> well, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about diversity in terms of race at the Oscars, not so much about in terms of disability until relatively recently, even though the community have been talking about it. It's only really hitting the headlines now, or certainly in my sort of film world. Mm. So I do think that's the way the conversation is going, because it is a really important one. And yeah, great to see it up there. But, it, you know, it's more than just a film about deaf people. Mm. It's just a lovely film yeah. that happens. That's the important thing about it. It happens to have some characters who happen to be deaf, but that doesn't define them. They're very funny, sexual beings, mm. you know, with lots of personality. And that's just one part of their lives, one part of the story. And that's they, really important. They were not portrayed as victims. And I think that was so refreshing because the mum and the dad, they're so kind of funny and kind of, I don't know, it was very kind of refreshing to see that. OK, so it's a big field. But you guys, and well, I didn't. I think we both know what your uh, tip for the top is for best movie. OK. Part of the talk. I won't tell you what Fernando put in the script here about Belfast. We'll just gloss over that. Oh, sorry. I don't want to offend any... unprofessional. No, sorry. I'm intrigued no, now. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> just say, I, we'll, I will put it in at the end of the show. Oh, Maybe we'll put it in the end of the show. I know you both wanted to talk about the best supporting actor category. Um, Troy Kutzor, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee and Jesse Plemons. Obviously, these the last two names from The Power of the Dog. I always kind of... <laughs> It's a funny one, isn't it? The best supporting actor and actress categories. But Anna, tell us a little bit about 
Troy Kutz's role? Troy Kutzer, who is the father encoder that we just spoke about, he now is only the second deaf actor to be nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. The first one is actually his co-star, Marley Matlin, who won back in 1986 for Children of a Lesser God. So uh-huh. I think that's really interesting to note. And he's really got a popular vote there. I think he's a very charming, funny actor. There was a lovely video of him reacting to the Oscar nominations that went viral. There's a lot of public support behind him, I think. I think he's great. And then looking at the Power of the Dog nominees, I think Cody Smith, for me, was the front runner for a long time because he just inhabits that role of Kristen Dunst's son just so perfectly. And he has such an incredible presence on screen. But what I wasn't expecting, even though it's deserving, is uh, Jesse Plemons, his co-star, to be nominated up alongside him. That's very unusual, and that potentially splits the Power of the Dog vote. So I do think that leaves things open a little bit for somebody else. It could be Troy, it could be J.K. Simmons for Ricardo's, but we're already slightly dismissive of Ricardo's. (laughs) I like this. This It's like election night with Adam Smith, isn't it? It's going to split the vote. It's going to go to the Green Party. Okay, I like it. Yeah, but that's my (laughs) overview on that category for you, sir. (laughs) Anna Smith and her swingometer. Faye, I know you wanted to talk about Best International Feature, which features Drive My Car, Flea, The Hand of God... Lunana, a yak in the classroom, and the worst person in the world. So I know you, you interviewed Paolo Sorrentino, director of, of The Hand of God. Is that your favourite? What else is sort of good in, in that category? It's one of my favourites. I think it's a very strong category this year, Rob, I have to say. And one of the reasons, I think the best international film is it's going to become a strange one in the coming years because I think the Academy is changing very fast. And I don't know if Anna would agree with me. I think subtitles are not a problem anymore. I think, look at this year, we have, you know, Drive My Car, Flee, not only in the mm-hmm. Best International Film category, we have the worst person in the world nominated for screenplay. So it's quite good to see, actually, that, because I think the Oscars, in a way, they are international. It's not just for the Americans. But yeah, The Hand of God, of course, very much enjoyed mm. the film. But also Flee, what a touching and original film from Denmark as well. It's a very strong category this year. I mean, Drive My Car would be the favourite. But again, it could be a surprise. Maybe they will win Best Director and not Best International Film. So it's going to be definitely one to see. I wonder about the snubs. Who's been left out that should have been in, film-wise, actress-wise... Who do we think, Anna? Lady Gaga was expected to potentially get a look in the house all, of She was certainly Fiji. all over that film. <laughs> she certainly right. was. I mean, it was not the best film. Um, and yeah. perhaps she, she, she's more regarded by, you know, the film's fans than the voting, you know, I thought she was, like, she was great in a terrible film. I don't consider myself to be a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. She was brilliant and and she went through lots of different kind of looks and moments and and she really held the the attention and had a great presence, was very funny. So, yes, I think she was overlooked, but it's a tough category, as we said. Ruth Negger for passing Mm. in Supporting Actress. I really thought we were going to see her show up on that. She won the London Critics Circle Film Award. So really curious not to see her nominated for Rebecca Hall's directorial debut there. Yeah, and Faye, any, any thoughts on snubs? I feel that like we could have had a falling out about House of Gucci. You liked it more than I did. Yeah, but I agree with you. I mean, could it had the potential to be so much better, but I think Lady Gaga almost deserved a nomination because she really tried so hard, and I think she did 
the best she could. So I think House of Gucci has one nomination for best makeup, right? There's some good costumes. I mean, costumes is a yeah. category which I always quite like. One very small one, I mean, but for original score, for Spencer, I thought it was excellent. But I, clearly it's not here by Johnny Greenwood, but he's nominated for The Power of the Dog, so that's fine. Okay. So, so, you know, it makes it less bad. And again, as a Verhoeven fan, I was kind of hoping for Benedetta, but I think maybe it's a bit too kind of difficult for the Oscars uh, to nominate that. So, yeah, that's my snubs list. Okay. I mean, Costumes Dune obviously was kind of pretty good as well. Yeah, Dune is excellent technically, I have to say. Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of surprised actually not to see more of Dune in there. I mean, maybe it's just a bit big and sci-fi-ish and blokey, but I don't know. It's... Dune's done very well nomination-wise, oh, actually. Oh, yes, in the craft categories, though, primarily. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. um, and I think that's what it's going to go away with is, is some of the sort of sound and such like. Yeah. I think costume, the voters tend to go for something a little bit more obvious, to be honest, even though I love the costumes in June. I think Cruella, it's about fashion. (laughs) You know, it's got amazing, amazing costumes, as has Nightmare Alley and as has West Side Story. So, I mean, that's a really tough category, I think. I mean, God, the dresses in West Side Story are absolutely extraordinary. But yeah, I'm going to say Cruella for costume. Okay. And West Side Story is an interesting one because, you know, everyone loved it. I mean, it's it's a great film. But I don't know if the public loved it as much. There was some, some problems in the box office, right? So I think that might mm. actually hinder its prospects at the Oscars. But I, I, I certainly here in the UK and in Europe, it seemed like it kind of came out at the sort of wrong time. Mm. I mean, in inverted commas, right? For people didn't know whether it was in or out time for masks on or off, in or out of the cinema socially distanced or not certainly at least in Britain it felt like that for me yeah I mean? it feels that way and a lot of I know a lot of people that are going mm. oh I feel like I should go and see it but I haven't got round to it yet which isn't really what you yeah. the kind of reaction you want but it partly is reticence to go to the cinema I think in, yeah. you know in the situation yeah and also it's long films and that puts people off but yeah I, I, I think the voters will like it but I agree that it has not landed as well over here with the public Nightmare Alley you mentioned I really enjoyed that. I understand that didn't do exceptionally well. It sort of like sort of slightly slipped. For, for someone of the stature of Guillermo del Toro, it sort of slipped under the radar slightly, weirdly. Yeah, I feel like it hasn't done as well as it should. I don't think it's his finest work, but I really enjoyed it because it touches on a lot of themes I find really interesting. And you can't argue with the costumes in that film either. So, I mean, technically, it's really great. Yeah, yeah. I love a bit of noir. It was good stuff. My guilty pleasure this year is, as I said, guilty pleasure, it's an excellent film, it was Licorice Pizza. Sophie and I went to the screening and I've been to see it twice since. What's been the thing that you've been going to the Curzon Soho? I'm sure that's your local. Fernando, what's the one that you couldn't have be kept out of the cinema for? Well, you know, I know we've discussed uh, this before here, but I think Coda, it was kind of a nice surprise for okay. me because it's the kind of film that I went to see without expectations at mm. all. You know, of course, when I go to see... They're these, the best, aren't they? Yeah, and it was just like, oh my God, that's, this is exactly what I needed at the time. And I think that's why I'm picking Coda. I'm not saying it's my favourite of the year, but it's the one that surprised me the most in a way. Yeah, and Anna, what's the one that sort of kept... I think I can guess this. Well, the thing is, because I have so many films to watch for yeah. work, I don't tend to watch them more than once unless I'm hosting a Q&A or interviewing an actor. And because I've done that several times for Power of the Dog and Lost Daughter, because I love them so much, then those are the ones that I've watched the most. But there are lots of films here that I'd love to go and see again on the big screen. I think yeah. it has been an amazing year. Yeah. And Rob, I think we're forget, forgetting to say the amazing trivia that we have two couples in the acting category. Oh, do we? I didn't it's the know first this. time we have Damn. Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem as okay. a couple. And, Are they a couple? Yeah. And Kirsten Dunst and Jess Plemons. I mean, they were both in The Power of the Dog. God, I don't think page right? six enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Wouldn't I had to mention and that. And they skipped off merrily down the red carpet together to pick up their <laughs> exactly. awards, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm excited about the 94th 
Oscars. Thanks to your brilliant insights um, and wit and wisdom. Thank you very much indeed to Anna Smith and Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Monocle on Culture was produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph Chung-Gu. We'll be back at the same time next week. But until then, and by the way, um, Fernando says he would be devastated if Belfast won. (laughs) Sorry. Until then, for me, Robert Bound, thank you very much for tuning in. (laughs) 